0: Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity.
1: Derek Heisler is a creative director that specializes in photography, National Geographic, Sports
2: Illustrated. If you don't understand maybe how to do all the technical work, you can approach other photographers to get into what we call like an assisting role. And often if you have no knowledge of photography, it's good to go to them and say, I'd love to come on set help you out and maybe do that for free because they're teaching you, so you're getting compensated.
0: Monetizing your creativity asks the question
2: What does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? When they create an image, you know, specifically like a client, they want an emotional response from their customers. And I really try and dig deep in understanding that emotional response as well as the storytelling.
0: We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is your co-host, Fred Keating. Fred, where are we?
1: We are, Marvin, together in the Sorso's Coffee House in Airdrie, Alberta, just north of Calgary, and uh, we have a special guest with us today. Derek Heisler, is a creative director that specializes in photography and you should see some of the places this gentleman has worked his so, credits are impressive national geographic sports illustrated a couple of uh, smaller Small magazines publicist. but i think they show a lot of promise uh... he's worked for nasa and seti the search for extraterrestrial intelligence ted now whether that's a friend of his or the ted talks i'm not sure but i'm guessing it's the ted talks people and of course being canada The NHL. The National Hockey League. You got it. Derek, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here at Sorsos. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Tell us,
2: how early on did this photography bug bite you? Well, I I, I took a photography course in high school basically to avoid shop class. That was back when you shot primarily film. I don't even think digital was out back then. Not that long ago, but you know, 2002, you know, (laughs) it wasn't prominent yet. And uh, I shot a bit there, liked it, but didn't pick up a camera again for several years later. Halfway through university, I worked as a web designer, side business, just to kind of help pay for tuition and whatnot. And we needed stock photography, so I had bought a small point and shoot to kind of fill those web pages what we found is just didn't have a lot of control with it and whatnot and on my first work term I had some extra cash and I bought my first digital SLR which would have been about 2007.
0: No, I understand that you are actually studying to be an engineer and then you changed your mind you decided to work with the other side of your
2: brain. <laughs> yeah parents always you know was all about balance. You know, I played a ton of instruments through high school, but then also did a ton of math and sciences. And so I went into engineering, but I always kind of kept that creative side going. You know, I finished my engineering degree and went and moved to Alberta. That's what brought me to Alberta originally and started working and just found that it just wasn't a great fit for me. Uh, I love the problem solving, but just the creative side is what took me over. Now you have some amazing credits in the photography realm. How did you actually break into this business? Well, there's a lot of different ways. I would say no two photographers have the same story of how they've kind of gotten into the business. Mine's a bit of a path that's kind of all over the place. The fact that I never started in this and actually I'm self-taught. A lot of people kind of go through school, but yeah, I was self-taught and started charging, you know, small things like a shoot and just started kind of working with local people and actually it was funny enough I bought the camera for the website work but uh ended up using it you know in my own personal time for landscapes and nature and whatnot and then I had a bunch of female friends that had kind of approached me and said hey can you take our photos and I said well I didn't buy the camera for you guys. I bought it for landscapes. And, you know, after enough badgering, I kind of agreed to do a shoot and it turned out all right. But as the engineer and me, and we love control and perfection, I had to basically get better at this. And I read and learned and watched. I think YouTube was just starting up kind of around then. And I just took a lot of knowledge from online and tested. And a lot of it's about experimentation.
1: Where along the line, Derek, did you shift from just capturing still images to starting to
2: manipulate those images after the shutter. That's the biggest thing about photography, I think, that a lot of people don't get, is they think that kind of it ends at capture. And even going back into the film days that's really only half the work and the rest of the work kind of happens in what we call post-processing or you know dodging and burning even existed back in the film days with chemical even though that's kind of what we do in Photoshop these days and I had already been working in Photoshop a bit for quite a few years on the website for for design but then I specifically got into retouching and and got lucky that I found a mentor overseas and started chatting with him I don't even know it might have been over MSN messenger back in those days so he would start giving me tidbits and things I would kind of ask specific targeted questions and he would give me kind of stuff because at that time that was really like a coveted well-held secret about how to retouch properly in Photoshop and things like that nowadays it's widely known I would just kind of keep testing and the biggest thing was you know when you start out everything looks like a plastic doll and then you start to what what I say is like taste there's skill and taste and taste is what will get you to the point where you find your style and where you know when to stop on things. I've seen some of your work online. It's spectacular
1: or we wouldn't have been chasing you to to get this interview. But I was particularly taken with your uh, online presence because it writes as if it is an introductory letter to potential clients. And in it, and I'm gonna ask you to expand on a couple of these, in it it talks about some of your core beliefs to give people a sense of what kind of photographer you are. The first core belief is that you are an art maker. You just started to talk about that when we asked about the manipulation of images. Tell me about the
2: difference between being an art maker and a run-of-the-mill photographer. Conceptual development is huge. Anyone can take a beautiful image, but taking an image that is relevant and impactful is priceless. And that's really where I strive to even come close to, is really understanding the concept, the story of that. What's the emotional drive that people want to have when they create an image, you know, specifically like a client, they want an emotional response from their customers. And I really try and dig deep in understanding that emotional response as well as the storytelling and the impactful and relevant way of trying to tell that story. And then the imagery only comes in then. So we kind of approach it more from like a film and motion side where there's a lot of pre-production going into that planning stage and the conceptual development versus just kind of showing up and taking a photo. A masterpiece is rarely made by one individual. Collaboration is huge, be it, you know, anything from the trades, from makeup and hair to wardrobe styling to prop uh, to even art directors, creative directors. All this stuff kind of plays into creating a a piece that is bigger than oneself. And I think that's really where the magic happens is when you have a team.
1: And the third one, of course, and this is singing your song, Marvin, Our art has to
2: earn a living and that's what this podcast is all about. It's a hard concept to get your head around especially when uh, it's not like a a surgeon for example no one just picks up a scalpel and starts working but cameras are accessible to everyone so monetizing that is a difficult lesson for photographers to learn and there's a bunch of sources and, and experience that you can kind of pick up to kind of make it easier on yourselves.
0: And in fact, I did want to talk about that more because we were starting to get into how did you break into the business? So how do you establish that credibility so that the client will actually pay you money?
2: I'm very passionate about this specific topic and I've given talks on it as well because I find that it's it's so important because new photographers are constantly being taken advantage of by brands. They need this education to understand it. You can create a portfolio of work to target a specific brand, and, and that's okay to do on your own, that's okay to do for free. and That's what I recommend people, and we call that personal work, you know, you create something that gives you the legs to essentially go to that next client, the next individual that uh, wouldn't necessarily have hired you based on your current portfolio, but it gives you that ability to reach for something better and to get them maybe on the next run. Where I kind of have a problem where I really caution people is doing commercial work for free. So if a client comes to you, and mentions, hey, I've got this shoot I want to do, like a swim line. We don't have a budget, but it'd be great exposure. This is the word we always hear. Problem is you can't eat exposure, and I can't pay my mortgage with exposure or your tuition or whatever it may be. So I always say draw the line there. If there's a client that does approach you and you really want to do something like that, go make that project yourself something very similar to that but do it yourself bring your own trades in and shoot that and you've got that in your portfolio but never work for free because that's a very slippery slope there's another side of things where you know if you don't understand maybe how to do all the technical work you can approach other photographers to get into what we call like an assisting role and often if you have no knowledge of photography it's good to go to them and say I'd love to come on set help you out and maybe do that for free because they're teaching you so you're getting compensated in some form. This sounds like our friend Mark Simon Marvin, who was
1: talking about, don't go in and tell them that you think you can do the job. Go in showing them that you can with a portfolio that demonstrates perhaps not exactly, but very similar to what they're looking for. So they know you are the guy.
2: Definitely. And what I always tell people, it's like, if you want to shoot beer ads, shoot beer ads in your personal time. Put that into your portfolio it's very very hard for a client to kind of get into the mindset and understanding of what you're trying to create if you don't have it there so you're kind of doing a bit of the work for them and they can kind of see you doing that so if you want to shoot swimwear make sure you're shooting swimwear in your own time
0: now because of the digitization of photography i think many videographers feel that they can be photographers and many photographers feel that they can be videographers is that actually realistic in your opinion
2: in ways yes and in ways no there's a lot of transferable skills like composition storytelling but editing understanding momentum and movement it's difficult to translate those and it just requires experience but I think someone could definitely transition from one to the other but just expecting to be able to just perform without any prior experience it's very difficult to do that
0: now Derek how do you market yourself now that
2: you're established There's many different ways. What I like to do is I like to create content. My personal work is a very good way to market. That's usually where agencies are looking, as well as collaborating with with other brands as well uh, within the photography world.
0: In fact, I wanted to ask you about that. Who are you collaborating with and how do those associations work?
2: Yeah, so I'm partnered with uh, Phase One, uh, as well as uh, the the well-known competitor of Hasselblad, uh, medium format cameras, uh, as well as Ellen Chrome out of Switzerland and uh, Canon Canada as well. So working with those brands, they've kind of reached out. Uh, we've we've done a few uh, instructional talks as well with uh, with Vistec, I'm sure you guys are familiar with in Canada. Sure, that's a that's a Canadian retailer of uh, photography equipment and such. Exactly, very much like a, a Henry's in the States as well as a B&H. We've worked with uh, Canon Canada as well as Ellen Chrome to, to kind of talk about... Uh, their, their equipment as well as uh, instructional as well. So we've kind of partnered with them and they've helped uh, expand my brand as well.
0: So there's the work for hire stuff and then there's the association sort of thing that you're talking about there. Is there also licensing opportunities?
2: Oh yes, for sure. Um, and this is one of the biggest things. The States has always had uh, licensing in place for a very long time around copyright. Uh, unfortunately, Canada was a little late to the game and, and photographers didn't inherently own their copyright until about 2012 fall two of 2012 which is about 15 to 20 years behind the US. Being late to the game brands and advertisers are kind of unaware and it's a new topic and it requires a lot of education around it but but straight work for hire which means that when you shoot uh, the client owns your work isn't really a sustainable business model in the photography world. So there's the cost to, to do the work, the production cost. So your time on set, your creative fees, as well as any you know, um, you know know production, set design, any of that type of stuff, as well as trades. But then there's the pay to, the, the cost to actually use the work, which is what we call licensing, which is all, typically it used to be based on print, uh, but we're using today, it's more on duration level. So one to two years. And then is it regional, international things? like that as well.
0: And then the work that you do for, let's say, advertising agencies or publications, is it kind of a hybrid between that work for a hire and the licensing longer term sort
2: of thing? It depends. Uh, older brands like Playboy, for example, and Sports Illustrated still work on a work for hire contract. That's kind of how they've always done it. And because they're large brands, uh, typically people just say, it's it's good for PR, so I'll, I'll just eat that cost. Advertising agencies are well aware of, uh, uh, especially in the States, um, Canada's getting better for it now around the licensing, but that is the, the norm, is, is paying for licensing of the work.
1: When you're in a session with a live model, uh, whether they're human or animal or, or alien for that matter, tell us about your approach, the interaction in order to get the best possible image from that particular
2: source? Definitely. I think a lot of photographers, uh, at least when they're starting out, they forget that there's a human being in front of them and they often kind of treat them as as if they're a subject and I, I think you always have to bring that humanistic element back into it and have a conversation, get to know them, find out you know what they're passionate about, what they're not passionate about, you know what music they like and often we'll play some of that music that elicit specific uh, emotions from those people and and play that depending on what we want to actually create with them so again it's a you know treating them like human beings there's a a quote out there from Oscar Wilde that says that uh, I'm gonna get it wrong here but the gist of it is a portrait painted with emotion is not actually about the subject, but it's about the painter. Uh, So that that kind of shows that you know, 10 photographers could approach the same subject and every photo would look differently. Um, So I think a lot of the work and the the emotion that you see in my work is is often just a a mirror kind of bounce back on myself.
0: Fred, we've heard this so many times, it's really a recurring theme of our podcast, is that this is all a relationship business. It
1: really is. And the relationship can be with the subject, with the client, with the organization or institution that in a sense you are representing or creating images that will represent them uh, tell us how you sustain these personal or
2: professional relationships Definitely, I think there's different levels. advertising agencies are usually pretty easy to work with and and you know it's always good to approach art directors that uh, and show your portfolio to art directors because they'll they'll often bring that the you know bring your talent to the table for the creative teams The closer kind of close knit circles of like the fashion world and larger publication world those are a little bit harder to get into and they require um, I wouldn't say officially online stalking people but you kind of get to have to get to know the people before you reach out to them because if you're going to do a cold call and just reach out to them directly, you better know a bit about that individual, you know, the work that they've done and, uh, and, and what you really like about their work before even talking to them. This is another thing that we've talked about quite a bit,
0: is that trust is really important in this business. In any creative business, people don't work
2: with you unless they trust you. Yes, and that, that's a huge thing. That's a very, very huge thing. And it's really hard to, uh, especially if you work with a client that, that isn't creative, uh, inherently, it's it's very difficult for them to to understand what it's worth, what creativity is worth building that trust and, the, and them seeing the results of the work is definitely a big thing so often you kinda have to kick start. usually what I always do is uh, I work with an agency uh, and find out if there's any non-for-profits that they work with uh, that they're basically comping their time for as well and I try to kind of collaborate with them on a non-for-profit work where I'm not charging my fees and it's a very good way for them to kinda get to know how I, uh, how I work the resulting of that work and that collaboration, and then there's really no questions when it comes to, uh, to actually doing commercial paid work. Derek, when do you sleep? I had a really good in-depth conversation with Sir Richard Taylor, which is uh, the CEO and creative director of Weta Digital. I'm sure you guys are familiar with out of New Zealand. Worked on Lord of the Rings and King Kong and Elysium. We sat down, we were talking about this specifically, and he he says, you know, the show of a true artist is that they're they're able to sustain on nothing more than passion. Often, you know, we get so focused on our work, we forget three, four hours have passed, and oh, now I'm hungry, I didn't even notice, because the, the passion is so... Uh, so powerful that it kind of over overtakes, you know, the basic desires. And you know, Fred, I think that's a really good point to end on, passion. Absolutely. It's what it's all
1: about. And I love your description of that being in the zone. You start at 6 a.m., you look up at 6 p.m., where'd the day go? But my goodness, you've got the results and the consequences that
2: will keep you in the game. Definitely. Definitely. I I do think that you need to balance it. So make sure you you, you set a timer because mentally you're going to be focused. You're not going to notice it. So you could sit in front of the computer working on in Photoshop and four hours go by so make sure you time it get up walk around exercise eat healthy because remember you are not the only one in the universe that depends on you so yeah make sure that you're you're doing that as well but uh just kind of break it up and everything because that'll give you the the energy to kind of go on the next day otherwise you'll burn out
0: Derek this has been great thank you so much for being generous with your time and joining us today thank you thank you guys thanks for tuning in to monetizing your creativity